0: Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Somehow, Heartbreak feels good in a place like this The stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here they are. So, I didn't used to do things like this, where I would like halfway through the year already have a top ten list. I do realize, though, that when I make my end of the year list, a lot of great films from the first half of the year sort of get forgotten. That's one of the reasons I decided to uh, come up with a top 10 list for, you know, the first half of 2022. I am going to have a list of runners up, and just a heads up, when I do make my end of the year list, a lot of these films may actually still show up on it, and might show up in a different order than where they are now. Because the way my mind works is, uh, as time goes by, I tend to change my mind. Uh, Yeah, that's just sort of how I do things. If you ask me to look back at my top 25 list from last year, now there would probably be changes. So just a heads up on that. uh, If you're going to be looking for consistency at the end of the year, you're going to be kind of disappointed. Because, yeah, my opinion is anything but consistent. So I am only doing 10 films for this particular episode. And because of that, I feel like I really should include some uh, runners-up. Yeah, because so far, 2022 has been an astounding year for films. We have two films. Two films that were like word-of-mouth hits that, like, audiences love, um, one of which I did an episode on uh, earlier this year. Um, It's just been a year of filmmakers taking big swings and landing, and I'm just... I thought last year was a banger year for movies. This year has pretty much, like, kept that going so anyway here are the runners up for my top 10 of the first half of 2022 just a reminder they may actually move up when i make my end of the year list yeah it's i'm weird like that anyway uh let's see runners up include men by alex garland good luck to you leo grand by sophie hyde Lightyear, Pixar's Lightyear, uh, Disney's Chippendale Rescue Rangers, The Outfit by Graham Moore, uh, who, uh, previously directed, um, The Imitation Game, The Bob's Burgers Movie, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, yes, really, I very much enjoyed that one, X, Strawberry Mansion, and The Lost City, you know what? you know just for giggles i'm going to throw in the unbearable weight of massive talent i want you back george carlin's american dream hustle ambulance jackass forever kimmy the velvet queen you get the picture it's a lot of really good movies uh this year uh lucy and desi lucy and desi the documentary uh yeah no 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 this is it's been just just such a good year and like not including all of these films in the top 10 is just kind of devastating for me because I, I loved all of these. So that brings me to number 10. Last week, we actually discussed it on our main episode. It is Andrew ons Fire Island, a modern retelling of Jane Austen told through the perspective of the gay community, uh, particularly the uh, AAPI gay community. It is a very funny, very well written film uh, if you listen to last week's episode you know that uh, both my guests and I very much enjoyed this uh, yeah check it out it's currently playing on Hulu for anyone who is interested um, highly recommend this one number nine is Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness of course, I'm going to include an MCU film in here, but honestly, I feel like this one is upper tier. I enjoy the fact that Sam Raimi introduced, like, a different genre to the canon. Like, this is a horror film. Like, this is just a straight-up horror film, and it it's just it's so exciting to watch. Um, Elizabeth Olsen is giving in my opinion one of the best performances in the entire canon Uh, like she's a terrifying villain but at the same time you feel for her just so this is this performance to me I think is it's iconic I I love it Uh, like as a follow-up mainly to WandaVision like i really couldn't ask for anything better and yeah the the fan servicey stuff uh i i know that a lot of fans are disappointed that there wasn't more of it for me i think it was just the right amount it didn't overdo it it didn't rely too heavily on it so this is just like the it struck a really good balance and to me just ended up being one of the better films In the MCU canon. Number eight is Scream. Um, We can go on and on about how uh, the number five doesn't appear anywhere in the title. Uh, I love this entire series like uh, for me Scream has not missed yet. Um, A very it ups the ante on the meta commentary. Uh, The characters are just so much fun to watch. It's a legacy sequel that parodies legacy sequels. I love the digs at uh, sort of the uh, loud and toxic fandoms for uh, certain film series uh, up to and including the uh, the jabs at Ryan Johnson, who uh, by the way has apparently been a very good sport about this. Uh and I don't think they were like intentionally making fun of Ryan Johnson. I think they were just making fun of, you know, the the fandoms that like, "Oh my god, Ryan Johnson went and ruined this." It's a lot of fun. Um very respectful to the original film uh while offering a fresh and new and exciting slasher on its own. Uh for me, it's probably the best sequel and i love all the sequels so you know there you go number seven um part of me is surprised because of like the genre i've spoken out against um making biopics on rock stars because all of those movies are the same uh, in fact, like once again, I think Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story was the final word on this. And part of me still stands by that. And then sometimes, you know, a filmmaker will make something like, say, a couple years ago with Rocket Man, which was, phew, it, that was a good one. And this year we have Elvis. Uh, Baz Luhrmann, of course, if anyone's gonna breathe, like, new life into a stale genre, it's going to be Baz Luhrmann. It is, like, a very energetic movie all the way through. The editing just keeps the pace moving. Uh, Of course, Austin Butler is, like, just perfect as Elvis. But, like, at no point does this two-and-a-half-hour movie get boring. And, yeah, it does hit the same, like, plot beats because, you know, he's a rock star. He definitely falls into the same pratfalls as, like, all the other rock stars do. But, like, the framing device is Amadeus-esque in a way. And it's just constantly perfectly paced, very well written. The music, of course the music, the music, you can't go wrong, but it's like Baz Luhrmann is remixing the music in a way that makes it fresh and exciting while at the same time being respectful to the original source. And yeah, no, I just watched this one last night and I just had this big stupid smile on my face the entire time. So yeah, I I can't, have that reaction to a movie and not put it on my top 10 so there you go number six um probably one of the more surprising entries to this list and i very much considered putting it higher even uh was top gun maverick okay so yeah so yada 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 uh, war, uh, na- naval military propaganda okay 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 yeah sure. it's fun it is an exciting time at the movies. Uh, the cast is great. The flight sequences are just filmed next level brilliant. Like, oh my gosh, You're if you watch this like on the biggest screen possible, you will not regret it. It is just a completely mind-blowing cinematic experience. I can't praise this one enough. Um, if you liked the original as you know the original is like a camp 80s classic that we in the lgbt plus community kind of sort of claimed um this one is better this one is like in terms of like just filmmaking quality leagues ahead of its predecessor uh if you have not seen it yet like find like the nearest IMAX or Dolby or you know even like one of those like super specialty screens and try to watch it on that because you you, honestly you you won't regret it. Number five um, is one that I did an episode on uh, just last month after Yang Uh, honestly if you want to know my opinion on the film uh, check out the episode it's really it's really good very somber, uh, very thought-provoking film that, you know, just makes us think about, like, where we stand with our technology, where we stand as a culture, where we stand in general? I mean, not to use my mini-sode to plug one of my full episodes, uh, but yeah, check out our episode on After Yang, uh, which we released earlier this month. It was, a uh, episode four. Number four is going to be Pixar's turning red uh this is the kind of movie that you know pixar is known for this is like it has the heart the humor the emotion it's gorgeously animated it tells a very unique and original story it tugs at the heartstrings in just the right way uh yeah this is pixar i mean uh, i mean Uh, To me, personally, I think Pixar doesn't miss, but this is like, you know, upper-tier Pixar. Number three is The Batman. Okay, like, I complained in our... (laughs) In our original uh, Batman episode, the very first one, I did complain that, you know, we are sorely missing fun Batman, and I stand by that. I want to see a campy... Batman film. Uh high camp. Give me give me the Schumacher-esque everything. I wanna be laughing. I want I want it to be silly. I want it to be fun. That being said, um what Matt Reeves did with Batman was awesome. Like this movie is comparable to Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Um, Robert Pattinson is just perfect as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Uh, It's important that we get both. Uh, You have like Paul Dano giving just this terrifying performance as the Riddler. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is like, oh my God, like... As iconic as Michelle Pfeiffer is, Zoe Kravitz, like, she is, uh, she is Catwoman. Like, I I have no complaints, no notes, nothing. This is just a perfect film. And it looks spectacular. Oh, my gosh, the trailer doesn't even do it justice. You have, like, uh, it's like, it looks so dark in the trailer. But, oh, my gosh, what few colors you see in this, they pop. Like, and more than you would expect, this is just... Oh my gosh, this is, this movie slaps so hard, I I can't, whew, no, this is this is so, so good, so, so good. Number two on my list is going to be uh, a film from India called RRR. On the off chance you don't know what I'm talking about, that's three, three of the letter R, triple R, uh, <laughs> Uh, Rise, Roar, Revolt is what it stands for, at least in the uh, American release. Directed by S.S. Rajamuli, this is bonkers. And I mean that in like the best way imaginable. This is like you get your bang for your buck in everything. It is an action epic adventure with like some iconic, already iconic imagery. The movie just came out and like, there's like almost every frame in the movie looks spectacular. The action sequences are just so good. Uh, The storytelling is fantastic. And of course it breaks into musical numbers. The film is, it's not quite Bollywood. It is, it doesn't quite, fall under that category, but it is from India. And it does have a few spectacular musical numbers, including one dance sequence that is just, the choreography is just unreal. The dancing, this is like, that they're like in step, in perfect sync with each other in a way that is just jaw-dropping. This is a phenomenal motion picture. I'm sure you've heard other people talk about it, um, possibly, but if not, you need to see this. Um, you can find this film on Netflix right now. It's three hours long, but like it breezes by. This is like it, it is I, I, it's good. It is it is fantastic. And surprise, surprise, surprise. Number one is a movie that I simply will not shut up about ever. Everything everywhere. All at once. The subject of episode five. Honestly, is this any kind of surprise at all? This is probably going to be my pick for best film of the year. Uh, wow. What can I say that I haven't already said about this film? Fantastic performances all around by Michelle Yeoh, Kehui Kwan, Stephanie Su, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, The humor is spot on. The emotional stake. I-, I watched it a second time and like the emotional stakes hit harder the humor hits harder and like after the surprise wears off like somehow like it gets better like <laughs> this is just an all-around perfect film and it like everything it, the title is not lying to you it is everything the, every genre every mood, every feeling, every tone, and yet all of it works. It's not jarring. It's not, it, it doesn't remove you from it. Like, I, I can't even begin to explain it. Uh, this is the movie for this year. Uh, it is just cinematic perfection uh, across the board. I can't, I can't talk this up enough. Yeah, just, yeah, um, I know A24 is putting on its screening room right now so you could actually watch this from the comfort of your own home. It's totally worth it. You need to see this. This is th- this is what cinema is all about. I, I love it. I-, I just love it. So I already covered um, in the first half most of the stuff that I watched this month. Uh, so some of the stuff that I watched that wasn't released this year, uh, that I thought was noteworthy, I'm just gonna, like, list them off and offer them as recommendations. Again, this is stuff that I've seen for the first time, uh, before you ask, yes, really? (laughs) So, here we go. Martin Scorsese's Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, um, there's also the 1956 sci-fi film, uh, called Forbidden Planet, um... It's simply, like, you know, 50s sci-fi camp at its finest. Uh, I have finally seen every single version of A Star is Born, now having watched the 1954 Judy Garland one, which uh, now that's, like, I'm caught between that and Lady Gaga as to which one is my favorite, but, like, both are just, just perfect. Uh, let me see... A few of those showed up on my list. Um, Latter Days, which I watched for uh, my previous episode, was very good. Uh, very low budget, but, you know, uh, a nice piece of uh, LGBT plus cinema. Uh, yeah, that's... Oh, and uh, there's a silent film called The Dumb Girl of Portici. Uh, 1916 film, one of the first to be... Major motion pictures to be directed by a woman, it's very good. Uh, Also, uh, Never Let Me Go, uh, which I watched uh, in preparation for episode four. So yeah, that was was it. And that's another month in the books. Uh, Summer goes on with the uh, upcoming releases for the month of July. Can also kind of keep this one a little bit brief so i'm just gonna go over like the bullet points of what i'm most excited about for the month of july starting of course unsurprisingly with thor love and thunder uh taika ytt entry of course so i'm excited about that because i love that guy's work i mean do i really have to say anything else as to why i'm excited about this it's mcu and like i have said on multiple occasions i'm i'm here for everything they do so yeah uh i loved ragnarok it's one of the better uh, mcu films so i'm sure this will also be kind of up there later in the month we get jordan peele's nope uh i'm really excited about this one jordan peele is a he's two for two when it comes to horror uh get out being one of my favorite films from 2017, and Us being one of my favorite films from 2019, I'm excited to see what he does with this, where he goes with it, and yeah, uh, it looks really good, really entertaining, and you know, kind of scary, so (laughs) yeah, I'm excited about this one too. And there are a few others that I'm going to look into. Uh, obviously, the DC League of Super Pets looks fun. Um, I saw the trailer yesterday for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. That looks delightful, so I'm I'm down to watch that as well. Uh, yeah, and there's a few that I haven't seen like any trailers yet for. Um, I mean, am I going to watch the Minions movie? To be honest, I kind of missed the last one. Is it necessary? I don't know. I'm not against it. Uh, Maybe. Uh, That one's going to be a maybe. But, you know. uh, Yeah. I still need to also watch The Black Phone, which came out this month. And honestly, um, I'm going to also be spending some time watching a few more movies for the next full episode of the podcast, which I will be announcing uh, at the end. Uh, Every couple weeks or so, I do offer the opportunity for you to, uh, correct something that I have said that you think is incorrect. Obviously, I'm never incorrect, and therefore, no one has submitted anything yet. So, I'm just gonna go ahead and- No! The defense is wrong! Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay, so, uh, prior to recording episode four, I- posted on Twitter that I was watching the film Never Let Me Go. Uh, When I post that, I usually tend to put snippets like when the film was released, who the director is, and country of origin. Uh, I had typed in the year uh, 2020. Uh, Someone pointed out that the film was in fact released in 2010. Now, we, we can always just chalk this up to, you know, human beings sometimes accidentally type the wrong, wrong thing, it was a typo, I have big thumbs, and sometimes they will gravitate towards the button next to the correct one that I was going for, any one of those explanations will suffice. However, I'm actually going to be explaining to you right now why I was not Incorrect. So, Counsel, would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this! So would I. Alright, so, I was working at a movie theater when Never Let Me Go was released, uh, back in 2010. Yes, that part is correct. Uh, so anyone who had seen the film, though, can attest to how ahead of its time it feels, and also that it is a very dark and bleak film that is thoroughly depressing, which, by the way, in the year 2020, no one's going to want to watch that. I mean, 2020 was a bleak and depressing year uh, to begin with. So, uh, clearly, um, in the future, there's going to be a service that can send films from the future back to the past past see so that will explain why you get films that are like super ahead of their time like 2001 a space odyssey which by the way was originally titled 3027 a space odyssey but you know i mean we weren't gonna be looking ahead so it was mailed back as 2001 a space odyssey all the way back in 1968 obviously we didn't have the technology for that back then and then they had to get through all the legal trouble because hal systems were suing the filmmakers for making their their equipment look like it malfunctions all the time and, you know, uh, does all that stuff. So, yeah, that's one example. Never Let Me Go is another one. Yeah, it was made in 2020, but, you know, 2020 audiences were not going to be receptive to that. 2010 audiences, however, were. So, Never Let Me Go was made in 2020, but thanks to the magic of time travel, was released in theaters in 2010. That's my story and I am sticking with it and if this were a visual medium, you could see me sticking my tongue out at you. If you think you caught a uh, an error that I may or may not have said, uh, feel free to hit me up on any of the socials. Uh, however, I am never wrong and I am ready to defend my position regardless of how ridiculous it sounds. And join us for the next full episode, which will be coming out sometime next week-ish. I still have to watch a couple of the movies we will be discussing, but we are going to be looking at the first three Pokemon films, as well as Detective Pikachu. Very excited to be revisiting these titles, which were kind of a major part of my childhood slash teen years. Uh... So prepare for trouble and make it double. Join us next week, and I hope you are not just entertained, but somehow reborn together.